Grab a cup of joe and gather round the hay bale with your hosts, Alicia from Country Mama Musings, Casey from Ormsby Farms, Casey from Boots and Bounty Homestead, Lisa from Yogi Hollow Farm, and Monica from Bland's Promised Land Ranch. Now, here they are. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Good morning and welcome to Round the Hay Bale. I'm Alicia. I'm Casey. I'm Casey. I'm Lisa. And I'm Monica. Welcome back to the Hay Bale. From gardening to raising animals. From cooking to canning, we've got what you need. Join us every week as we share tips and tricks with special guest hosts. This week's episode is the last episode of the year. Wow, already? <laughs> I know. So today, YouTuber Elizabeth Ritchie joins us as the guest host as we kick off 2021. Yes. So how was everybody's holiday? Ooh. What holiday? I don't remember. It went by so fast. <laughs> it went by quick. Yeah. Yeah, I think Friday to Saturday makes it a little difficult, too, because, you know, you're off and then, you know, Eric had off on Friday and it went to Saturday. And before I knew it, I was like, it's Saturday night. I have to get these kids washed up and ready for church tomorrow. Oh, my word. We have to, like, hurry, put your presents away, put everything away, go find clothes for church on Sunday. It was it was a little chaotic, but it was it was awesome. Yeah, and it was 75 here, so it didn't feel like Christmas. Right. We This was the first time in Iowa that we did not have a white Christmas. We had not one flake of snow for Christmas this year. But Friday, Saturday and Sunday as empty nesters was just so relaxing. We would have cocoa or coffee and have breakfast and then we would fall asleep in our recliners and wake up and go, what day is it? Very <laughs> <laughs> relaxing holiday. Yeah, same here. Very relaxing, just the two of us, uh, you know, normal stuff, taking care of the animals and all that. Um, we did have um, several dustings of snow, but that was it. Nothing exciting. Uh, last year, we had a lot whiter Christmas, but it's cold today, so we're good. Yeah, I'm with you. We had, um, I think we were 76 on Christmas here in Georgia and to yeah. where I was sweating in pants. I had to put shorts on. So, yeah, we yeah. were, I think we hit like 84 in, in the north part of Texas. Yeah, I think it broke records. We were at next door at my in-law's house and they said, um, I think their little weather station said 83 or 84 was the high. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we broke a record. Since, I think it was since 1984. It was 75. Yeah, I saw that on the news. It was a hot Christmas all over. Because I mean, with Lisa saying she only got a dusting and Alicia saying they didn't get any snow. No. And normally we have to bundle up when we go to family for Christmas. And we went to our sons for Christmas dinner. And I said to Papa Jim, I said, um, do we need to bundle up? And do you have the car warming up? Because I hadn't been outside all day. I've been napping. And he says, uh, I'm just wearing what I got on. I said, OK, so we went in our jammies and our slippers. We didn't even put boots on. It was just warm. It was fine. But I woke up this morning before the sun came up. And I said to Papa Jim as he was getting ready for work, I said, do we have snow out there? And he's like, nope. <laughs> it's like, gosh, darn it. When are we going to get our snow? Mm -hmm. You can keep it. 
Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I yeah, I'd rather the snow. I'll come take. I want snow. I want give me the, some of the snow, just a little, just a little. Well, it was funny because my kids were like, a couple of my kids were like, it just doesn't feel like Christmas, and I'm like. It doesn't feel yeah. like Christmas. I mean, yeah. I get that point of it to a certain point, but my younger kids don't know mm -hmm. anything but Texas weather. So it's always up and down. I mean, my seven-year-old was in shorts the mm -hmm. entire day. He literally woke up in his PJs, stayed in his PJs all day. We were at my mother-in-law's. It's like 730 and I'm looking at him. I'm like, huh, you never changed today. <laughs> like, I didn't. <laughs> Parent of the year. Um, he literally stayed in his little PJs ran around outside but i was like hey would you rather it be like a foot of snow so you guys can't play without any of your outside toys or go play football with your brothers i mean you can take the snow or the ice or whatever the cold is or you can take the warm weather and enjoy being outside with your siblings so i was trying to remind them that you can enjoy what <laughs> you're in right <laughs> lady boots right got that yeah. outside. i'm like no. go outside yeah. But if you get the snow, you have toys that you can go out in the snow with, you know, sleds, snowshoes. It's awesome. We don't have none of that. Okay, so you wrap, your kids feet, you wrap your kids' feet in bread, bread bags and put some shoes on and you throw them out there with a trash bag and say, go slide down the nearest hill. <laughs> Cardboard, that's all you need. Cardboard. We're in Texas. There's no hills here in our yard or anywhere close you make when one. we were kids in queens we grew up and there was people would have like you know landscaping that would go on an angle and then they'd have like a stone wall yes we would take cardboard and slide down and then you'd have the big hop to go down on the sidewalk, <laughs> on the sidewalk. <laughs> well i will say we did we did make it a um you know a mm, let's say a country version of sledding a few years ago when we didn't have snow. We had a bunch of mud because it had just rained and rained and rained. So we took the four-wheeler. We attached Eric's canoe. Um, yeah. No one important is watching this. My children are safe. Don't worry. Um, this was years ago. And so they proceeded to get inside the canoe with the chain to the back of the four-wheeler. And they just went all around. Now, I did get in at one point to which my son thought it would be funny to stop abruptly. And so I slid forward, slammed my rear into the bottom of the canoe. And I was like, I'm done. Thanks. I'm done. But the kids had a blast until the canoe flipped and they decided they were done at that point. So but well, they, remember they remember it, don't they? That's a memory. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Mudding in the canoe out in the back pasture. It was definitely a fun memory for them. So I think that's called redneck slang. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. it can be done in mud or snow because all <laughs> you need is the same stuff, a rope, yeah. a truck, a driver, and a passenger, and you're good to go. A bunch of crazy people Lisa's willing to do it. No, Lisa's selling you on the snow right there. <laughs> Eric is sold. He's in the chat already like wishing for snow. I'm going to get him a ticket. He can come see Lisa hang out with the snow. How quickly he forgot the polar vortex that came through Texas last year. Yeah. That throws up pipes that we still have to fix. I think for a lot of people, we had we had quite a hot summer. And so fall comes and you're kind of looking for that respite. You're looking for that seasonal change and it doesn't happen. And you're still sweating. And you're like, come on, when are we going to get some snow and some cool weather so then we can appreciate spring and summer again? It's hot all the time. You just don't feel it. I got to have me some 
some chilly cold weather and everybody says to me well you enjoy it because you don't have to go out in it as much as all of us do and it's like okay you're you're right as i mm -hmm. stand in front of the fireplace with a mug of cocoa and everybody has to go out and work yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't get cold till february or march so i mean we need to move christmas down about two months and then mm -hmm. we would hit our winter time mm -hmm. yeah. i was just about to say that casey we don't in Georgia, we get kind of a cold January, yeah. but February is usually like the 20s, um, very rarely the teens, but mainly the 20s. And that's when we get our snow, if we get snow. We don't get it in December. We get it in January, February. The first weekend in March. <laughs> right. Yeah. right before her, right before gardening season. And speaking of January, February, what is everybody's plans for the new year? I mean, we, what do we got, like a week? 2022 less than less than i don't make plans. I, I have a big i have a big surprise coming up uh for my channel for the new year and so i'll be announcing it this week papa jim and i are gonna do something really fun i had a poll on my channel and i simply put up pinata pickle jar paper and i asked people to yeah. vote the votes came in and last week I bought a pinata. So we're going to be announcing this week what we're going to do in the new year with a cupcake pinata. That's what we're doing. Ooh. Alicia, what did I vote for? I remember I voted, but I, I, I don't know. Just go with pinata because that's what I bought. I voted okay. pinata. I, I, I think I did. No, I think I was pickle jar actually because I think me and you joked about it. GMs. <laughs> <laughs> huh? uh, I know for us, uh, hopefully, the, the pigs will be mature enough to farrow. So we'll be breeding them. And uh, I was talking to Erin at Bramble Hill Homestead and she is expecting baby doll sheep. And the farm that she's getting them from had posted pictures on Instagram yesterday. And I was looking at pictures of them and I just turned around and looked at Ryan with my phone and I was like, we need baby doll sheep. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, you know, I, that's an expensive road to go down and I would need need you know more pasture rotation so we're trying to figure that out i don't know that we'll do it though but i have decided baby, against goats for right now the baby doll sheep can't live in the house with you uh no i'm actually thinking of um, a pig living in the house instead i watch halbert farms with their cooney cooney ripley in the house and that's that's what i want i want one in the house as long as diesel can handle it and i mean he met sherman he did fine with him so a pig in the house isn't too bad. We've still got Gizmo running around like he How's owns he the place. He's doing great. Actually, I'm going to contact Jake over at uh, Nanya, Texas this week and see if he wants to come get him because I think he's ready to maybe go to his new home and get accustomed there because he'll only bottle feed for another week or two. I noticed he started eating some more food. My son threw a sandwich that was like a little older. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't for him because it was like the bread was kind of stale. And he threw it on the ground last night. He was like, yeah, hey, let's see if the pig will eat it. So we threw a sandwich on the ground in my kitchen. And the pig was like, this is my jam. And he went over and started eating it. And I was like all proud. I was like, oh my gosh, he's eating a sandwich. <laughs> and he, So he'll be on creep feed and stuff. Yeah, he'll probably just start with some all stock because that's what his mom and his brothers and sisters are eating. So we're just going to go ahead and give him some all stock because he's already on such a high, um, really high rich milk with the goat's milk. And so um, he's being bottle fed with goat's milk. And so he'll just get some regular Crete, I mean, for some regular all stock and then 
go for whatever, you know, vegetable scraps and things that, you know, they want to give him. So I think it's about time to have him go bye-bye from us and go to his new home. So. Well, kudos to you guys. Cause that was a really nasty wound. So yeah, I'm really glad to hear really you well. Bad. Yeah. yeah, I was, I'm really happy that he's survived and he needs to go anyway, because it's about time to be snip snipping the other brothers. So he doesn't need to hear that horror. Oh, <laughs> it's funny. Cause Lisa and I were, we were in a private chat last night and we were talking about her moving her piggies into the house or maybe one or two. And so I started sending her pictures and I sent her a picture of Papa Jim in our bed in the blankets with pillows and one of our pigs sleeping with him. All of our pigs, when they were little, slept in bed with us until they were old enough to move outside and join the coop kids. Oh, it's fun. So cute. Yeah, yeah. Pigs are fun. There's nothing like snuggling in bed with a piggy. I'm yeah. ready for pigs. I'm ready for pigs. You know, this year is going to be the first year we actually have animals. Huh? So I'm kind of like prepping myself to order. I got the magazine from McMurray, Murray McMurray Hatchery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've already started planning out what I want, and I do want pigs as well. And mom wants goats. She is, has her heart set on goats. So we may be jumping full face into full animal farm. With you need kind of goats. Take it slow, Casey. Take it slow. Yeah. See, I'm yeah. ready for a cow. I'm like, I want a, I want a dairy cow. I know I'm going to put it. <laughs> Me too. You got you got to ease into that, man. You got to open up with the open up with the chickens. Gateway, that's your gateway. That's your gateway. Open up with the chicken cakes. Get yourself accustomed to going out. You know, watering, making sure you got some living animals. You got to keep them alive for like yeah. like a there's like a three or four month requirement. If you keep them alive for three or four months, then I feel like you you can move on to a bigger animal. Not just you. <laughs> I recommend all my family to do that. Move on to the next step. Alive. I actually knew a person that went out and got a ton of animals and they went and got, you know, the goats and the pigs and the chickens and everything. And like within a year, their first year, you know, you look back and you think, where was I this time last year? And there are so many animals that they lost. And I'm like, a lot of things died. You probably should have started slowly. So, right. yeah. You may want to start slow. It's it's easy to get caught up in the want and the desire to have all things furried and feathered. Right. Um, and I think catching on what Monica just said right there, the first year we moved onto this farm, I brought home 59 animals just in the first year. And we had some loss, but that's keeping in mind that many of those were rescues. They'd already been neglected or abused. And mm -hmm. this is where they came to spend their last, you know, few months with love. But um, I would have slowed down looking back on it now. I would have slowed down and paced myself a little, a little better. But I did love all of them. And um, given the chance to find any animal to bring home, it will go into the back of the car. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's an alpaca. It's going in the back seat. <laughs> the one thing I will say, I was telling Alicia that I do have a video that I'm trying to think of how to put out there. I had filmed it during a really cold and the snow was coming down. And I was like, so you want a homestead in a cold climate? You know, and a lot of people think, oh, it's hard in the cold. It's also really hard in the heat, too. And mm -hmm. people don't realize that heat, extreme heat and extreme right. cold are hot, hard on animals. And, you know, there's there's certain things that you need for both climates 
right? That you have to have to make sure your animals are healthy and they have access to what they need to survive. Right. Well, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like we've got some good goals and some ideas for the, for the uh, new year. And um, so I don't know if anybody's uh, taken, sure, everybody's taken lots of pictures in this holiday season. So I want to encourage everyone in the chat and everyone that's listening to make sure you share your holiday pictures with us on social media. We want to see you all. So go ahead and use the hashtag round the hay bale and you may see your pictures featured on next week's episode. Oh, how fun. That would be a lot of fun. Hey Mm -hmm. guys, again, a big thanks to our moderators for helping us answer questions over in the chat. We're shooting our episode live for podcast distribution. So as hosts, we're not going to be able to respond to those questions that are over in the chat. So if you have questions, please make sure you use the letter Q and reach out to the moderators. Thank you guys for all of your patience as they help and respond back to your questions. So to start the podcast off, our first guest here is Elizabeth, and she is a wife and a mother of seven, oh my goodness, three of which are grown, or at least think they are, who live on a 24-acre farm in northeast Arkansas. She has been gardening organically and studying permaculture for seven years. In all that time, she's been sharing her journey, successes, and failures on her YouTube channel. Richie Husky Farm, formerly named Little Farm Big Dream, from when her journey first began with desert gardening in Phoenix, Arizona, they work each year to move closer to self-sufficiency by adding chickens, then rabbits, now a pig, and hope to start their own herd of cattle in 2022. She loves to cook and can, and she shares recipes on her channel all throughout the year. Sometimes you'll even find videos about prepping, food storage in the South, and being a female entrepreneur. Elizabeth has even self-help inspiration videos as she works to finish a book in the self-help genre inspired by her life-changing transformation over the last 10 years. Please welcome to the Hay Bale, Elizabeth Ritchie. Hey! Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're so glad you're here, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, Elizabeth, I'm going to bug you with a couple questions first, if that's okay with you. Yes, totally fine. Okay. I get to go first. And I have to say, I've been perusing your videos for a while, and there's, there's one that I've come back to a couple times that I just find very intriguing and I was hoping for a little bit of insight and follow-up on. And that is your quinoa video. I find it so amazing because quinoa is a grain that's traditionally grown down in Africa and you don't see it in homesteads here in the States very often, at least not that I've seen. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience with growing quinoa in your little raised kitchen garden that you have. Well, thanks. Um, You know, what's funny is I didn't realize that it was actually kind of unique to grow. I just love growing all different sorts of things. That's my favorite thing about gardening is doing something different and experimenting. Um, I had actually never eaten quinoa when I decided to grow it, but I knew that it was a, a, a good grain, something good for your body. And I believe I got the seed from Baker Creek, Baker Creek heirloom seeds, and they were cherry vanilla. So the plant was really pretty. It, whenever it flowered, 
it was pink and white on the end, the grains were. Uh, it was super easy to grow. Um, I did that in collaboration with a friend of mine who has a YouTube channel down in Louisiana. And we wanted to compare our different zones um, because she's, I'm zone seven, she's zone eight. So she's warmer. So she was able to start hers earlier and hers was always like three or four weeks ahead of mine. And it was really fun, but it was like a no fuss plant. Uh, we get a lot of, a lot of rain here in Arkansas, other than a few weeks in the summer when we have like a minor drought which then I would just hand water, but um, it did great. And it got huge. I had no idea that like one individual plant would get like three and a half feet tall. And because I was doing square foot gardening in that raised bed, I had planted, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 seeds in like four square feet. <laughs> and it put out like these arms just all over and was growing like in the middle of pumpkin vines and it actually crawled across the ground, but was like four feet long. It was just really fun to watch that whole experience. And um, I did dry it and mm -hmm. uh, did, did almost everything you're supposed to do. But whenever it got to the end, um, you know, real life moment is I had it on a tarp in our building to dry for like two or three weeks. And then you're supposed to thrash it like you do wheat and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have teenagers who suck sometimes. So when they would go in and out of the building to get stuff out of the freezer for us, they'd step on it or they oh. push it aside. And I'm like, dudes, like, this is my project. We, you know, that's food. Um, so that was kind of annoying. But towards the end, I was like, this is not going to be salvageable, but that's okay because I'll just do it again next year. But the one thing that I did learn, and what's funny is a lot of people commented on that very first video I did about it was they were like, you're not going to be able to grow enough quinoa to eat in such a small space. And I'm like, well, I know that. And <laughs> it's really just for fun. Uh, but whenever you gather it all up at the end and you see, um, if you watch the video when I harvested, how much of the plant went into the, the wheelbarrow, which yes. is full, um, and how many um, actual quinoa are on that, like the head of the plant, there was mm -hmm. a ton but in the end, um, had I actually finished harvesting it and everything with like the thrashing and stuff, it probably would have just been like a Ziploc bag of food. But that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize when they get into homesteading and trying to be self-sufficient, especially with gardening, is that there are certain foods that honestly, it is, makes a lot more sense to buy. Mm -hmm. Like every year I try to grow beans. And every year I ask myself, why am I doing this? Because <laughs> it's so much time, so much work. You have to worry about pests. And then you can buy like a pound of beans for like a dollar at Dollar General. <laughs> and wheat's the same. Um, and, and, you know, a family, especially our size, we couldn't grow all the wheat that we needed and harvest wheat berries and keep them fresh in our pantry and grind them before we go to make everything homemade. You know, I, I just... I started out homesteading thinking that was the end goal and eventually realizing that's pretty much impossible unless we're living in an apocalypse and we have to do it to survive. And more than likely we just won't eat those things because yeah. I mean, it's just a totally different way of life now. And you, you wouldn't be doing all of everything manually unless your back was just against a wall. Right now. I don't know about you, but I personally have never seen cherry vanilla quinoa on my store shelf. I think it's very intriguing. 
And I will throw this out there. If you want to do another collab this year, I will see if I can get some of those seeds. We'll try it again. Awesome. I'd love to see how it grows up here in 5B. I and um, I think maybe oh, yeah, based, on what, based on what you learned, we'll see if maybe we can uh, up here, maybe I'll find a better place to dry it. And I want to learn about threshing it and, and see what size Ziplocky baggie we get, whether it's going to yeah. be a quarter or a gallon. Because yeah. quinoa is really a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful grain to work with. I so. was really like, I. that's one of those things, the day that I went into the building and gathered it all up and decided to put it in the compost, mm -hmm. you have that moment of, am I going to be so upset and devastated about this? Because I had such high expectations, but then also mm -hmm. like, here's my real life. I don't have time. I'm doing a million things. I'm stressed out. No, I do not have time to harvest this. And if I have my children or someone else do it for me, I can't really film it for YouTube because like they're crazy. So it's <laughs> like, I'm just going to have to call this a wash and try it again later. But it really did suck to have to throw that out. My The only thing that made me feel good about it was that it went into my compost. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, could you have fed that to your chickens instead of it going to the compost? Mm, probably. Yeah, probably. And I want to know if your compost is now going to grow quinoa. <laughs> Who knows? It, it grows a lot. I actually pulled out like a, a broccoli seedling from the garden back in like May that when it started to get pretty warm, it just decided it was not going to thrive. And I was kind of over that. So I pulled them out and put in something else and I literally just threw it. It was like this big and I like just threw it on the compost pile. And a few weeks later I went over there and it was on the backside. It had rooted itself in and was growing in my compost pile. Oh, wow. Like, so well, Elizabeth, I have a question for you because we were talking about you growing and doing your journey throughout the YouTube and I see you post daily, right? You post every single day YouTube videos. You're you're one of the crazy YouTubers that posts every single day, yeah? Now, do you prefer gardening in the Phoenix, Arizona area or in your Arkansas area that you are now? Which one do you prefer? At Arkansas, 100%. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, I, I, what's funny is I grew up with gardening in my family and my mom and my grandmother especially did landscape flowers and stuff. And so it was always like, you know, pull weeds and we'll pay you like a quarter kind of thing. So I hated gardening as a kid and my mom still makes fun of me now. Cause she's like, I don't guys, I guess I was maybe 28 or 29 when I first got into gardening myself because I found a channel on YouTube about permaculture and this woman was gardening in the high desert and I was living in Arizona at the time. And I found that completely intriguing uh, that it was supposedly so difficult to grow food in the desert. And I thought, well, I'll try that. So, um, so it started there for me. And so I started in a really hard, harsh environment, but because all of my family, I'm from Arkansas, all of my family lives here. I always knew that I was going to move back here whenever I got older. Um, if I didn't, when my kids were younger, I would to retire because this is my home. Um, I knew they got a ton of rain here. And my biggest obstacle in Arizona was not the heat. It was a lack of water. And you can only irrigate so much. Um, mm -hmm. I set up, I guess the first, probably the first two years of my YouTube channel was trying to set up a permaculture food forest in where I was, which was like Texas, completely flat. Um, we had insane winds all the time and, and no wind breaks. So wind did a lot of damage. 
Um, we did a lot of deep mulch back to Eden gardening and uh, waffle beds, which was really fun. That's an old Native American method of digging down and creating like a square that's like two or three inches below the ground. That way when you water, it just pulls and holds that the water for the plants. That was really fun. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, definitely a ton easier here. First year I moved back here and started gardening. Every time it would rain, I would just look out the window and be so stoked that I was saving myself an hour of watering my plants. But then also on the flip side, it, that taught me a valuable lesson, which was watering my plants was one of my favorite parts of gardening because it's a time whenever you're just in silence with your garden, listening to nature and watching the bees and the butterflies. And I would always talk to my plants and like give them pep talks because I believe in sharing that positive energy because they're living things. Um, and so whenever I quit having to hand water my garden, I was like, all I'm ever doing in my garden is chores and working and it's all a lot of hard work. So then you have to stop and make yourself be mindful to spend those peaceful times in the garden as well, which was a huge struggle for me this last year because I grew so much that if I spent 15 minutes sitting in the garden in silence, I felt like I was wasting time because I had so much I had to get done. So that's something I'm going to try and work on next year. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking earlier before the show about, you know, starting up with animals and stuff like that. And you talked yeah. about coming to the realization of, the fact that you can't grow everything unless you're in this apocalyptic situation, right? Then you do it. What other realizations have you come across? Because I think, and the reason why I say this is because a lot of people sort of like the Christmas puppy phenomena, right? They think it's easy. They think they can do this. And then we have those situations where people can't handle it. So I think when it comes to homesteading, it's really important to have, what are, what are some of the other realizations that for you that were hard? Man, I think that's just a great, that's just how life is. Um, I think those lessons hit me harder than they do most people because I'm very optimistic and I'm a go-getter and I always think I can do anything and I like shoot for the stars. And then whenever I do it and it like sucks or it's horrible, I'm like, wow, I'm like the only one in the crowd that's shocked when everyone else was like, yeah, we told you that was going to be stupid, but and I, I still did it anyway. Um, animals definitely is, uh, when you guys were talking about that earlier, definitely wanted to chime in, definitely start slowly. Um, and as you mentioned with extreme weather, uh, because we had that crazy freak snowstorm last year here in Arkansas. And I remember thinking and telling my children and telling my husband and anyone who would listen that you can't be pumped about having farm animals until you have had to go out there every morning in two feet of snow and breaking frozen ice and dealing with all making sure that they're warm and making sure that they're not too hot in the summertime yes those extreme days that's when you really get pushed personally to you know deal with that and then obviously dealing with loss on the farm definitely mm -hmm. but one lesson i learned which is kind of funny it has to do with something that i'll tell you guys in a little bit is that i always wanted cows from the very first moment that i started homesteading I saw all of those cute cows with hats and bows and all just sweet, you know, sweet cows all over, you know, Pinterest and Instagram. And I was like, I'm going to have me a pet cow. She's going to have a bell and she's going to come when I call her name and it's going to be glorious. Right. Well, <laughs> fast forward a few years 
Um, one thing I like to do when I want something is I talk to anybody that I possibly can to gather more information. I want to learn, learn, learn and research. So I had been researching like raising cattle for a long time. I met my now husband who had raised cows pretty much his whole life. Um, and his dad had, and, uh, he had five or six across the field from where we live that were his dad's and they, he didn't really do anything to take care of them, but I saw them all of the time and I really wanted a cow. And uh, this was when we were just engaged and not living together. And he had a friend who, um, they had a calf that the mom had abandoned and it needed to be bottle fed. And he was like, okay, well, we can go get this calf for you. Um, if you want, if you want to try this. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So we got this giant metal animal cage and I was so pumped. And it was like this time of year, the end of December, except it was really cold. It was really muddy and nasty. And we go to these, this people's field where they've got like 75 cows. And in order to get the cat, the, the poor little calf, which I had no idea how any of this would work. They chased it around on four wheelers to, get it. And I just thought, wow, that's like not very friendly. I guess I just expected you could just walk up to it or something. I don't know. But anyway, it was all more aggressive than I thought, which made me sad. And then they got it into the cage. We get home, we get to the field and there's like a little barn and a, um, one of those contained areas where you can open the gate, back the truck up to it to get it off in there. And that was the first time I realized how heavy a four-day-old calf was because my then-fiance, we decided we would move that huge crate off of the back of the truck into the four feet deep of mud and cow poop uh, so that we could just let him out. And in the process, I realized how heavy he was, and it was horrible, and I slipped, and he kicked my fiance through the other side of the thing. We finally get him out. Um, into the area however he was small enough that he got through like a hole in the chute and went out into the field which was kind of okay-ish there were six or seven other cows out there but it was like dark 30 and freaking cold and he needed to be bottle fed he didn't know us so my husband wanted to keep him in a building so we could bottle feed him and all that jazz so he was like, we need to go get him and round him up because the other herd might not accept him. It's really cold tonight. Yada, yada, yada. I had no clue what I was doing. I start walking towards the calf. He's going this way. I'm going this way until after like 30 seconds, we realize I'm chasing it away instead of herding it back. And we spent like an hour and a half out there freezing our tails off, trying to get that calf in. And we gave up. And we're like, okay, he's in the fenced-in area with these other cows. Maybe he'll find the other cows. And the next morning, my husband had to go out there and track him down. It took him two hours to find him and get close enough to him and hog tie him to bring him back up to the barn. And two days later, he escaped into like a neighbor's pasture anyways. And I told him after that, I said, I don't want cows. That's, that was also <laughs> stressful. <laughs> I was like, they do not talk about that on Pinterest. People don't show that on YouTube, that he's so heavy, he was not friendly. It was just horrible. And then like cut to, we're getting a bottle fed calf in like two days. So I'm like, let's let's hope this goes better because the kids all want cows and we want to start our herd. And we had the opportunity to get one for free for my father-in-law. So we're like, maybe it'll go better this time. 
Yeah, I was going to say that was my thing. You really do not have control over as much as you think you do on a homestead. No, and it teaches you like that there are instances where you really just have to roll with it and other instances where you realize, wow, I'm learning a valuable lesson here because mm -hmm. you're either stubborn and someone could have told you and you didn't listen or no one warned you. And you're like, well, now I have this knowledge. And, but that was a very valuable lesson for me because I had been dreaming of cows for years. And that experience made me realize this is more work than I'm willing to take on right now. I'm going to table that idea and maybe we'll circle back around to it. And then we ended up doing the chickens and the rabbits and we did a donkey too, which was a disaster. And then we oh. found him a new home because he, he didn't like us. I mean, he would never let us touch him and we had him for a few months and then we gave him to a friend and he became her best friend she's 16 years old she's trained him she he knows all sorts of awesome stuff she rides him so that turned out beautiful but he didn't work for us and so now we've got all these other experiences and we're circling back around to cattle knowing that we've been raising all the animals we have now for about two years and we've had minimal losses um and just like with chickens, as easy as they are, and as much as you try to prepare your coop and your run, sometimes there's still going to be a predator, and they'll find a hole that you didn't see, and then you fix that, and then there might be something else that happens, and it's just something you just have to always be trying to um, grow your skills and your experience, and decide maybe something's not for you, like the donkey, you know, it was a fun idea, and I loved I legit wanted a donkey because I love the sound that they make. That's that was about it. Yes. And he would hardly ever do that. So I was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the kids on the farm, you have seven kids. So what are their ages? And do you homeschool? And like, do they have specific animals that they take care of on the farm or specific chores? Okay, so the um, five are my husband's from his previous marriage and two are mine. Their ages all together are um, 22, 21, 18, 17, 15, 13, and five. Wow. So the uh, 15 and 17 year old boys are mine and they're here with us all the time. And then the two youngest are my husband's youngest girls and they're five and 13 and they're with us on the weekends. All the other ones are the ones that are grown. Um, my boys, I do homeschool. I homeschooled them before in the past, just kind of trying it out when they were having some tr troubles in school, ended up putting them back in public school. Then when all of the COVID stuff hit and they sent everyone home, we did the online format for the school for a little bit because we all thought that was going to be temporary. And when it when they went back after that first fall and it was not temporary and the program was not improved and it was really lackluster and just it was horrible um i told my boys i'm like you're old enough you should be doing independent independent studies anyways i can definitely offer you something better than what the school is so i pulled them out of school they've been homeschooling since then they both do pin foster high school online because my um 18 year old stepson did that for a year before COVID um, and he finished and he did well with it and he had struggled some in school. So I knew it might work for my youngest who struggles some. Uh, <clears throat> my oldest is he just turned 17 a couple months ago and he just graduated from Penn Foster. 
So he was able to complete the program 98% on his own in like less than a year. And he honestly was not trying hard. And now he is really smart, um, but he was just kind of half in it <laughs> and, and he did excellent. And now my youngest has not struggled. Um, and I'm actually have given him long breaks from school because the work is so easy for him that I don't want him graduating when he's 16. He won't be 16 until March. And I'm like, yeah. he won't, I don't know what he'll do with his life if he's done with school at 16. So yeah. we're just kind of pausing that and hoping he'll just get a job when he's 16 so he can kind of do both. But yeah. And then the youngest two girls, um, they live a little bit away in a large town with their mom and they both go to public school and they're both excelling with that because Hadley, the five-year-old, this is her first year in school and she like loves school and she's at that age where, you know, they love their friends and, you know, all that stuff. And I think that's great for young kids. If you're not yeah. the kind of stay-at-home mom who can do playtime, touch and feel, go outside, arts and crafts and all that, because that's really important for that age. Um, so they're doing really, really good with that. But I am a huge fan of homeschooling. It depends on the time you have to put into it, what your kid needs, um, and and how they work. Like my boys are complete opposites. And I was really fortunate that Penn Foster works for both of them. Because a lot of times you'll see with multiple children, you have to teach them differently. Right. Awesome. Okay, so my question is about your cattle. So did you say that you're getting a bottle calf in a couple days? Yes. Yes. Okay, so have you have you done any more legwork on the bottle calf end of that? Because you know, we did we were gifted. <laughs> a bottle calf last year, actually the day after Christmas, it had only had one day with its mama who had mastitis. So she couldn't feed the baby and he was mm -hmm. weak. Babies that haven't been fed that colostrum usually are a lot weaker. So have you done more research or how have you prepared for the bottle baby? Um, because I know what that's like. And also, you know, when you have calves and when you have your own herd, um, it doesn't always have to be so extreme like you experience. Cause you know, mm -hmm gentle cows because we've raised them to be gentle yeah. the motto yeah. around here is if you're a crazy cow you're gone she's he or she if they're crazy they're out so what have you done to prepare for a bottle calf this time around well you know what's funny is uh not much actually because uh i didn't know what's happening until uh like the day before because my husband just came home like two days ago and said Hey, my dad has a bottle calf that we're, we're going to get. And I, in our plan previously was, um, well, first of all, our house sits on two acres and then we bought, uh, the 22 acres on this side of the road that extends, um, down a ways that's attached to our land. Um, we've just bought that this year. So that was another reason why we hadn't decided to just fully start a herd because we know we need to do all new fencing. There's some fencing that exists, but property lines are wrong and fencing is very old. And so we want to start strong and get our infrastructure in because I'm not about chasing animals around because they had them with a donkey twice and took up like eight hours of my life. And mm -hmm. we want to do that if we can avoid it. So, um, so that's something that I'm planning for expense wise is we're going to, we're going to fence in about a 10 acre section 
and try to do two paddocks and we've got a pond over there. So that's where my mind was is 2022 is we're going to fence that in and then go from there. My husband comes home and says, we're getting a bottle calf in a couple of days. I'm like, where is it going? Like, what, how are we going to do that? And he said, we'll just put it in that back part of the, uh, the chicken run. We have a large run for our chickens, but it's split in half because the back half at different times has been used for different animals or before we integrated flocks and different things like that. And we recently added six new chickens to our flock. So we had moved them over. So the back half was empty and it's probably like a 15 by 15 ish size, which is pretty small, but the donkey also lived in there for like a week or two before we got him fully set up. So my husband wants to put him in there and that's where we'll keep him and feed him and get things situated. And then honestly, you guys, there's not a plan. I'm guessing <laughs> we're going to fence in like, I don't know, an acre. I don't know what my husband's thinking. I mean, we have all the supplies for electrical fencing. Um, we did, uh, we did barbed wire and electric fencing with the donkey and that kept him in. The only reason he got out the two other times was because, um, I guess it was like some slack in it somewhere and some something spooked him and he ended up getting through that slack. So obviously that's something that we learned from. And once we retrofitted that, we didn't have that issue again. And we also did that kind of in a rush and didn't put in a gate. So we realized the importance of having a gate in an electrical fence situation. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that the cow is going to go on the two acres behind our chicken coop because that's where our pond is. That's where our pig is. And just kind of keep everything together um but yeah I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it and i'll probably be doing lots of videos about it because i'm going to try really hard to get them to be sweet and i'm with you if they're not if they're not kind they just they just needed to go that's what we do with our rabbits our females we only keep the sweet one the rest so of them with uh with our bottle calf we did a series too he was inside our house because he was only a day old and it was cold this time last year yeah. it was actually cold in texas and so he lived in a large dog crate inside our house now he was longhorn so he only started out at about 30 pounds i think he was 28 pounds to be exact when we first got him so um he's a year old now and he's still a peanut compared to everybody else. So every baby is unique and um, hopefully he will take a bottle for you, he or she, and it'll be wonderful. So, um, but it's always good to have those things prepared. So one of the things we didn't do was have those items prepared for having a bottle calf. You know, we didn't have all the stuff in our pantry or things like that. So that's one of the things that I always prepare now is to always have some goat's milk on hand and the bottle necessities. And that's kind of in my emergency kit for any of the animals here because goat's milk is so universal. So, yeah. So well, now that's something that my husband has had. Um, he's done five bottle calves with his five children in years past. I mean, he grew up with cows. And yeah. so that's one thing too, that as I began learning more about cows, I would talk to him a lot because the amount of knowledge that he has just shocked me. Those were the sort of corny things we talked about when we were dating was like, can you stitch up a cow? And he's like, yeah, like I could, you know, put a uterus back in and stitch it up. And I'm like, that is so attractive. Like <laughs> that is so useful and handy in life, you know, because I didn't, that's how we ended up with that first calf was the mom had had it. And then her uterus fell out mm -hmm. and they were trying to, you know, she was ill. They, they had a, they had called my husband to come and fix it because we live in such a small town that vets don't come out here for emergencies. So yep. it's literally, 
all hands on deck, you do what you got to do. So all of the older men in our community, anyone like 40 and over that have lived here their whole lives, they know how to do everything. And because I spent 20 years living in Phoenix with a bunch of city folks, like the conversations that people have here, it just amazes me all the time at their vast amount of knowledge because they literally have just had to do it their whole life. And like they don't like the way we live, they don't call it homesteading because it's just their life. And I, I just find that so impressive. But um, but yeah, so my husband knows what supplies we need and that's why we don't have it yet. Um, he got the, the pen ready yesterday with the girls. He wanted them to be able to help while they were here because the 13 year old is super excited to get a cow because she has had that experience a couple of times in the past, but it's been probably four years since she had one. So they got the pen ready and he's going to go today and get all of the supplies that we need. And then we'll get, we'll get it from my father-in-law. Very cool. Oh, that's so exciting. I have to say, I, baby animals are so exciting. I know Lisa's like, she's like, I can't wait for baby animals. Yeah. Oh, baby bunnies are my favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Well, we're talking about all these animals and all these things. So let's shift gears for a second. And I need to ask you guys, have you, um, so, I mean, now you've kind of all gotten situated with us. You've all checked in here at the hay bale. Um, let's talk pantry really quick. Um, let's go back to our pantry items and see uh, how have you guys started um, or what have you done with your leftovers from the holidays? So I've been kind of researching and looking whether or not I can safely can some leftovers. And I found out that you can actually can leftover turkey meat. Did you all know that? Yep. 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 I was blown. So my goal this week is to use my new pressure canner that I got, the electric pressure canner. Super nice. And I'm going to can, oh, see, and I'm going to can some ham and some turkey because not that we have that much left over because most people eat it. I'm literally just going to try one jar each, I think. But I am excited to can some ham and turkey and put them leftovers on our pantry shelf so that I can kind of test it out. So how has anybody else used their leftovers? Do you have any good ideas for leftovers and, and after holiday keeping, if you will? We just had, uh, we had a Cornish cross that we raised. We had a chicken instead of a turkey for Christmas with just the two of us. And we ended up just making a pot pie out of stuff we had from the pantry. Super easy, super simple. And then for the rest of it, we'll just have some sandwiches. Nice. Last week, um, I did a video. I think it was last week. I did my leftover turkey turnovers um, video. And so that, you know, that's, I mean, we just absolutely love it. We can't wait to do it every single year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And you can also freeze your meat and, you know, use it for sandwiches and stuff like that. Or you can do those, you know, the turnovers anytime. You can use chicken, turkey, ham, whatever you want to in it. And it's just an easy way to use up a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you can mix them together or whatever you want to do. And we really love that recipe. Mm-hmm. I'll say for one thing that we do that we I actually started last year, um, it is not with the turkey, but one of our traditions after church and dinner on Christmas is having a Bailey's. And people who follow me know that I like to have a drink here and there. I like to freeze it in ice cube trays. Because you know you don't you don't drink it otherwise than a little bit at Christmas. Put it in ice cube trays, freeze them as Bailey's ice cubes, and if you ever want to add a little bit of coffee or another one, you take that ice cube and put it into your hot coffee. Mm-hmm. That's your cream. 
So that is kind of my um, leftover hack um, for Christmas. Huh? Um, that because nobody wants to waste. I think it because prices jumped up. I think it was like thirty five dollars for just a normal size bottle of Bailey's. I'm like I'm getting all thirty five dollars worth. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if I can do that with the flavored coffee creamers, you know, like the seasonal ones that come out. That yes. I feel like I always have like this much left in my coffee creamer between between my daughter-in-law and myself and my daughter. We're the only ones that really drink a lot of that. And it, we have like this much left and I'm like dumping it out and it's like killing me because I'm like, no, I just paid for that. freeze it, freeze it. Ice cube trays. Good idea. That's yes. a great idea. I literally did that with broth. We had, yeah. that's what I used for the pot pie is that I had broth in my pantry that had expired and we all know that it is good for a while. So I froze it, froze some in cubes, froze some in, um, in the containers and I'm making sure that I use that stuff first. Nice. So right now I've got my turkey in the roasting pot so that I've got it all like the, I'm getting my turkey broth going. So today I'm practicing canning turkey broth. That's one of my goals today. Hold it. I was about yeah. to say, I, <laughs> I thought she was pointing at me. You know, I kind of have to piggyback a little bit off of what Casey said. And that is that I made some homemade cocoa for Christmas this year. And uh, I had to get some really reduced sugar, semi-sweet dark chocolate chips so I wouldn't have that sugar content to keep my blood sugar stable. And I made this big pot of cocoa, but we could, there's so rich. It was so rich. There was no way we could drink it all. So I poured it into some cube trays and it went into the freezer. But um, my daughter-in-law did dinner this year, so I didn't have to do any of the cooking. But I'm that weirdo that says, save all of your veggie scraps for mama because I get all those veggie scraps and I throw them in the freezer. And then two, three times a year, I take the veggie scraps out and I make my own veggie broth in my instant pot and then I can it. So that's where my little leftovers, I take the trash. <laughs> I take everybody's trash and I make something out of it. So it's, you know, the onion peels and papers, the garlic papers, celery, all the stuff that she would put together for her stuffing. I take all of that and I make veggie broth out of it. So that's what I do. Yeah, yeah and if you have like so little, easy. if you have little bits of you know ham or turkey or whatever left over, you freeze that and you can make broth later with all the vegetables and stuff too. Um, or like Monica, you were talking about canning it. You could actually can ham and stuff with white beans, you know, or baked beans. Go ahead and make you some some you know shelf stable um beans and stuff like all i've got back here you know put your meats and stuff in there instead of you know either throwing it out or you know if it's just so much you or so little that you don't want to freeze it or don't really have anything to do with it just you know throw it in with some beans and go ahead and can them up and get them on the shelf so they'll be you know a homesteaders fast food you know grab and go kind of thing right. and you know the great thing that monica mentions is she got that new electric pressure canner and i got one as well i got the nesco and what is so nice is the quart wide mouths it it holds four of them so it's perfect for smaller quantities you don't have to get that big pressure canner out you just plug in your little pressure canner and if you have leftover like you said some some meat and some veggies i mean make a hearty soup out of it pop it into that electric canner and you've got, you know, three or four quarts of soup to put in your pantry that you can, you know, dive into later. 
And Dale did a little test out on that same exact pressure canner. And she made me feel so much better. I was like watching Ann Dale and I'm like, if Ann can can water, I can can something. I know it. I felt so confident. And Casey does the same thing down there. Casey, he's helped me kind of get through some fear of pressure canning. I've watched him do it. I'm like, I can do that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm a little leery still of pressure canning because I don't always do it right. I always have a lot of like extra in the bottom and, I'm still learning that part. So I'm, I'm getting myself together. And I will say, Alicia, you did a video on um, a French toast with a twist yesterday. I think you put it out. So my thought is, is can we use leftover cranberry salad? Like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you make a cranberry salad, not necessarily with the jello portion, but sometimes the, the cranberry salad itself. I wonder if you can use that and stuff that in your French toast. Mm-hmm. as a, you, you know, can. Wait, use some and you know, When I was making that video, I almost, and I didn't, I wish I would have, I almost said, you know, you can go look up my recipe for the Christmas jam and Christmas jam has the cranberries and strawberries and orange juice. So if you want to use your cranberry salad to make those stuffed French toast deliciousness, Mm, um, they look good. Make your cranberry salad, maybe mix it in with some raspberry preserves or strawberry preserves, give it a little bit of, of sweet to it. Oh, I bet you that'll be delicious. And a filler for homemade pop tarts. Mm. That's a good idea too. Mm -hmm. Are are any of you guys in the Facebook group, the Rebel Canning Facebook group? Yes. Rebel Canner here. They, they, my, I've been in it a while, and I added my mom to it, and now like every other day she like tags me and stuff, and she's like, Elizabeth, can you believe you can do this? And I'm like, Yes, mom, I saw it. Well, I'm still trying to find, um, I've been asking for the recipe on there for the slut sauce. <laughs> I'm not good at that. What is that? I will send it to you, Casey. I will I will send you a screenshot. I've made it and it's amazing. It's like caramel sauce, uh, but they call it slut sauce and I just love it. <laughs> because how many, how many of you surprised? Caramel? How many of you surprised? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I know. How many of you surprised that I do know what that is? Yes. <laughs> that is the shocker of the and have eaten it and love it. Did you say that it's a caramel sauce? It is, yes. That is so funny because someone should do a video making that and putting it on my grandma's recipe for better than sex cake. <laughs> okay. I need to find that recipe and we'll send I it to all it. Alicia and have Alicia make it over there. Say, Hashtag. Up there. Hashtag slut sauce, put it on a tea. <laughs> so, so speaking of prepping and stocking, when does everyone start their garden process? Oh. Well, I think it all depends on your zone, right? I mean, like I start right now, but I don't put anything in there yet. And with a with a greenhouse this year, my mind is like exploding with all the potential. So I'm going to sit back on this one and let you all tell me when I should start. So I'll watch you all and then I'll go from there. <laughs> I know for us, I'm not the gardener in the house, Ryan is. And I know for us, uh, we usually start, you know, the traditional six to eight weeks before frost. Uh, This year, we've decided we'll probably be starting in a couple months growing indoors because we had good success with our full spectrum grow lights and the heating pads underneath the seedlings. So even like our early girl varieties, we didn't get tomatoes until August. Mm-hmm. And we still had a lot of green. So what we've decided is, is we're going to try and start the tomatoes off early. I'll say that I learned um, 
from Andrea and Ben, which is actually how I found Elizabeth's channel was from them. Um, and I started in February. They start, I guess I'm 7B. Um, so I started in February inside and last, well, two years ago, I guess it was 2019. No, it was 2020. It was the first year I actually from seed to plant to harvest. Um, right. and February was really good to start the tomatoes and the peppers all indoors. Um, and then I didn't put stuff into the ground until May 1st. I know that's blasphemy to some gardeners, but in Georgia, after the, what is it, the, they say after Easter, you should put it in, but we can still get a cold spell in Georgia okay. after Easter that will mm -hmm. kill the plant. So I do start in February and I plant in May is how I do it in 7B. We can't plant until uh, first week in June is our last frost in South Dakota. Wow. And so uh, we'll have them in, but we start to harden off seeds, seedlings um, while we're doing it. But usually we don't get in the ground until the first week in June. Exactly. Wow. The only thing That's I've done for planning so far for this next year coming up is I have looked at my my raised garden beds where I grew cucumbers this last year. And I've already determined that there will be no more cucumbers this next year. Uh, if I see another cucumber, I'm going to fall over and faint. Uh, so and you know what I had in my garden last year that I loved so much is the zinnias. And I'm really considering after my last bout of gardening flu, I am considering just taking all of those seeds for the zinnias and just broadcasting them everywhere and just have an English garden this year and then use some of my other garden beds for tomatoes and peppers. And that might be it unless Elizabeth and I go into some kind of quinoa deal. <laughs> I'm down for the quinoa too. So make sure you hit mom up over here because I'm ready to try some quinoa as well. Okay. Lady well, Boots, okay, the Casey's, we're in. The Casey's, we're in it. I totally do it, but I, I don't think it would grow because <laughs> the root vegetables are all that do well here, seems to be. I bet you it would do well in your greenhouse. Yeah, it depends because we're going to start a lot of stuff in there and there's not a lot of room. That's true. So we'll see, but we uh, we got a really short growing season. We haven't been, been able to get cucumbers Um so we'll see how it goes, but we're we're over fifty three hundred feet, so it tends to be cold even even in August. I'm looking to start a really good paste tomato again this year, and the cherry tomatoes. Last year was my first year growing the little sugar bush. Loved the cherry tomatoes. I loved preparing them after I'd bring them in, roasting them with the olive oil and throwing them in the fridge. I'm still eating out of that jar. So next year I will be bumping up the cherry tomatoes, getting a really good paste tomato. Uh, really looking forward to growing some really good uh, Kentucky blue green beans and, and zinnias. Zinnias everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so for well, started. timing of everything, um, last year, I think I really finally uh, found my groove with timing of everything because uh, for people who've watched my YouTube channel for, you know, since it's been around or whatever, I've moved a lot. And that's one thing that people say they found interesting is it seemed like almost every year I was gardening in a new space, which brought a lot of challenges. It also made things kind of fun. But this year, 2021, was the first time I gardened in the same dirt two years in a row. And that brought a lot of comfort to it. But also I had a chance to test the soil and amend the soil and, and everything just flourished. Like it was so amazing. And I realized why things suffered so much in 2020. 
Um, but I start obsessing over gardening January 1st because it's a new year. I'm looking at all my dates. I'm sitting down. I got, I got a binder. I was hyper nerd organized this year. Um, I think I did a few videos on it. I have different binders with like flappy things in them. I handmade calendars to put out my timelines of secession planting and when to start inside in the greenhouse, whatever. Um, and I started most things in early February. My husband told me I was crazy. Um, babied everything along in a tiny greenhouse because we didn't get our greenhouse until April. And um, our seedlings were such a great size. But like you guys, they say that you can plant here. I'm in zone seven as well. They say you can plant like early May-ish or whatever. But in our area in particular, we almost always have a last frost the first week of May. And so... I this every year I deal with the same thing and it drives me crazy that I feel like in March or April when the weather gets kind of pretty and the daffodils bloom I'm like it's garden time it's I'm gonna be outside I'm gonna garden and my husband's like you're crazy it's still cold at night everything will die and it's just like I feel like the weather is playing with us because I spent 20 years in the desert and by March we were swimming in our pools so March to September was swim season. So my mind still thinks that March, it's pretty time, go outside, be outside, but it's not. The weather still sucks here in March. And so I have to hold myself back. So like by June, like you guys said, when you don't have a tomato yet, I'm like, what's happening? It's June. Where are my tomatoes? So I'm going to some earlier this year because um, it was, I think it was like the end of June or early July when we had our first tomato and I started them in February and also my first year um, fertilizing them weekly I'd never done that religiously before and I do that with all of my seedlings they were all healthy and they looked great um, and I amended my garden but still they just take so long to get going mm -hmm. well, I started last month <sighs> kind of getting my head wrapped around what I'm going to be doing for the spring because I'm, I'm right across the Creek from you. Actually, I'm on the other yeah. side of Memphis. And so I, I pretty much garden year round. I've got all my roots and greens and everything outside right now. And my fall like brassicas, they're still outside. And those, um, of course my little broccoli heads, they're, I don't know, two inches or so big. And so those will continue to grow as, as the days start getting a little bit longer now. But I made plans. This shelving unit right here is new. I got a new shelving unit. And that is because over on this wall, I've got two more shelving units. So it kind of wraps around the room here. <laughs> and I've got to start my grow lights over there because um, I, I garden by the holidays. And I, I say that because, you know, I can, I can pretty much garden year round if I time it just right. But New Year's is when I start getting my plants ready, like my brassicas and, and onions ready under the grow lights in order for them to go out Valentine's Day. And so from Valentine's to, you know, mid-March or so, that's when I start planning out what I'm going to be starting for the early summertime when they can grow out. So by you know, Labor Day, I've got everything out in the garden ready to go. And so I, in my mind, I kind of garden by the holidays or garden by the birthdays or something like that. So I actually started preparing last month to get ready for my spring stuff that's going to be going out in February. 
So I'll be getting all that stuff started under grow lights here in the next week or so. You know, the, the fact that you're gardening now makes me want to bring up something because I was just talking to my mom about this the other day. We have our greenhouse um, we put in this year and it's, I think, like 15 by 40 or something. I've wanted one of those like for years, finally made it happen. I feel like it's the most beautiful structural thing in my happy place. Um, but I have done no gardening the last three to four weeks. And I had all these plans of everything to do in the greenhouse, different experiments and containers in ground. Um, my greenhouse is a hot mess. I went out there one time, like two weeks ago, was going to clean everything up. And I just sat there. And thought it's too cold today. This is not fun and overwhelming and just wasn't in the mood for it. But I've spent the last two months really of my life growing one of my businesses and it has consumed my life. I sit here in this chair in my office all the time. Um, I was able to add an employee to my business, which is great. And I've been able to delegate some things. And in the last week, I hired a marketing person and a personal assistant and I'm starting a new e-commerce business and I'm just really busy with business stuff. And so I, it's hard for me to like pull myself away from a thousand things to do, to go outside to do something that I consider fun. And I was telling my mom the other day, I said, I'm, I'm almost kind of concerned. Like, am I losing interest in like my favorite hobby ever? Or am I just becoming too obsessed with business? because I have a tendency to be a workaholic if I don't watch myself and kind of balance things. And so it makes me bummed, but like every weekend I put it off all week long and every weekend I have like 40 things I want to do outside. <laughs> and this weekend came and passed again with all these lists of things that I was going to do in the greenhouse and everything. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't do it again. And I like, I'm no, I'm not going to do it during the week. And I'm just wondering if you guys ever have uh, times like that kind of like ebbs and flows because I really expected to go all year long now having the garden or the greenhouse and also having an established space. And here I am doing nothing but keeping these house plants alive behind me and feeling kind of like a loser because of it. Oh, goodness. Don't say that. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I do because I tend to obsess and get lost in things. And I think the main thing that you said was a was balance. You really do need to find that balance. And don't force yourself to do the things in the greenhouse just because you know they need to be done because you will lose that joy. But one thing that I love to do, and this may sound childish, but I love to do it, is I have a little app on my iPad. And it's that, you know, like a carnival, carnival wheel, a little spinny wheel of choice. And take those tasks that you have in your greenhouse that need to be tackled put them onto that little spinny wheel and then spin it. And it kind of puts a little fun into making those decisions. And it takes the burden off of you of walking in and saying, I've got 40 things to do and my mind just can't decide where to start. But if you do that little spinny wheel and it plays the carnival music and then it tells you, ta-da, you need to do this today. <laughs> it really helps give you that joy and see so you're laughing about yeah. it. It brings that joy Mm -hmm. And then you can tackle that one. And then once you tackle that one, you can spin the wheel again. And even if you only spin one, two, three times every time you go out, those are three things that you've taken off of that list that this week it's 40. Next week, it might be 50. Next week after that, it might be 60. But you're knocking it off a little bit at a time. And you'll have days where you go out and you won't even need the wheel because that joy will be there and that balance will be there. And you'll just pick up and do what you need to do. But on those days that I struggle... 
I get that spinny wheel out and I hit it and it tells me, okay, this is a dreaded thing I didn't want to do, but I do it and I feel better when I get it done. So that's just my little tip. I'm all about the lists. I'm all about the lists and the deadlines. So, you know, if you, if I write it down and I say, I've got to do at least one thing on this list today or two things on this list, I can pick whatever I want. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing that I'll do is if I put a deadline on it, I can meet it. That's that, that for me is, is something that I would prefer to do. Cause then I get to pick what I want. It's like a kid, you know, I get my choice of what I'm going to do, yeah. you know, and then I get down to it and I'm like, when I want to procrastinate the most, I say, well, you know what? You did all the stuff you wanted to do before. Now it's time to be an adult, <laughs> suck right. it up and do it. And that's, that's what I need. I need tough love sometimes. Like right now I have to clean out barns today and I really don't want to cause it's cold. My bad. Waited too long again so i will get out there today and do it because we're expecting uh negative temperatures in the next few days so the animals need it so it's time for lisa to suck it up and get it done (laughs) lisa's the adult i'm the child i I said i'm the child too because elizabeth i'm right with you because i just started a new full-time job i bought the farm and YouTube, I text with Lisa all the time, like, girl, I am losing my happiness for YouTube <laughs> and homesteading because it's like you get off of work and then you have so many hours. And see, I don't have kids yet. So I respect y'all that have the kids that you're like, oh, work. And then you actually have to, you know, feed children so they yeah. don't starve. <laughs> and then feed animals so they don't starve. Yeah. And feed yourself. But I actually started doing what Alicia up there said with the spinny wheel for our new homestead. Um, and I have my brother and his girlfriend and my mom, we're all adults, but we're like little children when we do the spinny wheel to pick. Oh, I'm uh, so glad to hear that, Casey. Isn't that fun? It's I've so never fun. heard of that. What is it called? Um, you can call it like the wheel of names. Yeah. The wheel of names. Yeah. If you look up your apps, for, it's Decision Maker, I think is the app that I have. And then you have different wheels you can choose from and you build it. You add your own things. You can put on there how many times that uh, selection repeats itself. You can change the music. And uh, some of you saw I had that series with my granddaughter. It's a grand day at the farm. We had that spinny wheel and she got to hit the spinny wheel and spin to see what we were going to do. Was it going to be sorting through all the cucumbers or making grandpa some soup or planting flowers. And she really, really did enjoy hitting that spinning wheel. But like I said, I'm like the kid in school where if you give them too many choices, my brain shuts down because it's a little overwhelming. And I love that I've got something fun to pick it for me. I used to do that with my kids when they were little. We used to write down all the things we had to do and put it in a hat and then they would draw or roll dice or something. And that would, we didn't have to make the decisions. It made it for us. And it just put that little element of fun in it. And then Lisa, I was about to say, just um, people who are listening in the chat and, and our podcast stuff, Alicia will leave it in a comment after our live is done. So you can come back and look and Alicia country mama musing, will leave a comment and we'll make sure to pin it. Cause it really is a lot of fun. And being yeah, over there are, there are several farm, the, it makes it fun. The spinny thing is fun. Now, I've only had like money attached to it, like Wheel of Fortune. Like, okay, 
you get to prove and win $500, I'd do it every time. But it's yeah. funny that you say that, Casey, because my cupcake challenge is like a wheel of fortune and it does have money on it. So you're going to have to watch that. But, you know, I, I think that's important, Elizabeth, is I think that'll be a fun way to put that joy back in and help you find your balance. Because mm -hmm. you do sound like you're really, really busy. And I also want to go back to something Casey said. We have to feed our kids. <laughs> that's what I heard. I read it in a <laughs> That explains a lot. You know, Elizabeth, I think the biggest thing is realizing there are days you're not going to get stuff done. And that's okay. And, and that's the balance part. So the bottom line is, you know, if one day you don't get stuff done, you don't pull out the spinny wheel, you don't look at your list, whatever it is, that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that um, something I've actually worked on a lot with my own personal development over the last few years is giving myself grace and reminding myself to give myself that grace because... And that's one thing that was mentioned in the intro is like that my life has changed so much over the last 10 years because I had in 2010, I had a weight loss surgery and I lost 130 pounds, mm. but it took me seven years to lose that. And throughout the process, I was in therapy. I was reading every self-help book you could find. I wanted to fix everything I didn't like about myself. And it took a lot of time. It was a lot of hard work. And, eventually, and it kind of brought out the perfectionism, perfectionist in me mm -hmm. and also made me realize why I could not be a perfectionist because it's impossible. And, but I still have those tendencies within myself to shoot for the stars and always overachieve and do all the things. And because it's fun, I enjoy it and I hate being bored. So I like doing a thousand things. And just about once every two weeks, I hit a wall where I'm like, what am I doing with 40,000 things to do? Like, why am I doing this to myself? And I just have to have a rest day and literally lay on the couch and watch Netflix and ignore my phone and ignore my clients and just like say, I'm out, I'm taking a me day. And the next day I'm like back at it going like a hundred percent. But I, the days leading up to whenever I crash, I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I just keep trying to push myself because I enjoy that so much, but I'm, I'm adapting to learning better to listen to myself and to give myself grace. And I have a wonderful partner in my husband. He is also a busybody and a workaholic. And so we really uh, thrive and vibe off of each other. But when he, he can tell when I've had too much and he will stop me and he will be the biggest cheerleader ever and be like, you're already amazing. You already do X, Y, and Z and whatever, just stop and take a break. And like, he will make me. And so that's, that's probably one of the biggest blessings in my life, honestly, because he he sees that and he balances me out, except when he's not here during the day and I'm like kind of having moments or whatever. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of the the graphic that some of you have probably seen go around where um, an individual will write on their hand, I am enough. And I liked hearing that you're starting to be self-aware of that mm -hmm. and you know, to, to dovetail a little bit off of what Casey said, I think all of us this time of year have kind of felt that overwhelming, oh, I can't do it all. And the homesteading and the YouTubing and everything else, it's kind of weighing heavy on us right now. And we need to take those mental health days to just, you know, Lisa just had a time where just, I think one or two days, she's like, I'm not on this platform right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take time for myself and my husband and not do what I normally do. And I think that was a wonderful thing for her to share with us. And I think it's something that all of us 
are doing and need to do. And I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, that's a lot of great information gardening and pantry and self-help. So I'll be looking forward to seeing what you've got coming out too, Elizabeth, here pretty soon. Um, so in the chat, there is a link. If any of you guys want to come up and tell us your plans for whether it's going to be part of the homestead or the garden or around the home for 2022, go ahead and click that link because we want to hear from you and come on up and join us. Don't be shy. Okay, did you guys see yet, by the way, that we have 100 subscribers here at Round the Hay Bale? That's wonderful. I just this morning. I was so excited that we hit 100. 100 subscribers, 100 so thank you, family everyone who is Yeah. Yes. Our family. Thank you, everybody. That is wonderful. But yeah, odds if y'all will drop that link, come on up. And if you have questions for Elizabeth, Come on up. We, I'm sure she would love to answer your questions too. So come on, call us. Come on. I'm waiting yes. to see this pop up on my screen. And while we're waiting for that, if any of y'all check out the podcast or you check out this podcast afterwards, please make sure you rate us. Make, make sure you add some comments to it and say how much you're enjoying it and maybe even what you want to see on future podcasts. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. We're, actually, we're live on all three now. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, go. And if you click, there's a QR code always up in the, what is it, right or left? It's up this way somewhere. Um, scan that. It will take you to where you can download all of our uh, podcasts. It will tell you more about Elizabeth. If you want to learn more about Elizabeth, make sure you're thumbsing up. Um, since none of y'all want to talk to us today, I guess I'll keep babbling on about our QR code, which is amazing. Everybody's um, being a little shy. That's what well, happens when you scan the QR code. You know, okay. again. We should just start talking about our sponsor. It'd be a good time to start on the thing and uh, well, for sure. you to start talking about our we'll sponsors see. and our QR code. We'll see if we can get people to come up next week once they aren't quite so shy. So if you're enjoying topics here on Round the Hay Bale, be sure to scan that QR code on the screen to download previous episodes and much more. So talking about the sponsor, if you want to learn more about our sponsor for Round the Hay Bale, it is American Crafted Catalog. Ain't that a beautiful picture? I just love saying that. This makes me feel awesome. Yeah, it is so pretty. And so it began with one simple question. Is there a place where we can all buy goods online from small farms and or homesteads? The innocent question came from Brandy from Farm and Animals. And by the end of the day, the homesteading community was at work. The American Crafted Catalog believe that working together as a community gives us a louder voice in the marketplace. And they are delighted to bring you the first edition of this amazing catalog. Don't forget, for more information on the American Crafted Catalog, you can visit that QR code on the top corner of the screen. All right, so we have some. We have somebody that has, you know, called in. Um, I, I'm going to call them the friendly plumber. <laughs> Before I add up, <laughs> please welcome Monica's husband. <laughs> Aaron! <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, Eric. What's going on, everybody? 
Hey, you asked what my plans were for 2022? Yes. Yeah, the plan is to stop having to do plumbing work around the house. That's the plan. (laughs) He cut a hole. That's my shower. He cut a hole in my wall. (laughs) See what happens when you're locked in a room on a podcast? (laughs) not, Not just one hole. We got several holes, baby. Oh, no. Just take the wall down. Oh, yeah. I'm behaving myself. This is going to be an expensive Monday. The beauty about the hole in the wall is now you can buy one of those those things to put right over it. So next time you don't have to cut a hole in the wall. I feel like that's a quick access panel. Now he can see me when I'm showering. Uh oh. (laughs) Oh, oh my. You know, I think that that should be an access panel for all of your plumbing needs. And then you need to go up higher and put one of those rainwater systems or the shower, you know, the rain shower systems from the ceiling. And while you're in there, you might as well glam it up a bit so that Monica has a beautiful spa-like shower experience. See, jump on top of that, Eric. What are you waiting for? The shower. Yeah, I better get off of here. I got a lot of work to do. I think I can speak for Eric. He's sitting there in his head going, Monica's going to get functionality. <laughs> Monica's blushing because he said he's going to jump on it. I'm praying for Jesus over here. Hold on. <laughs> Casey's, Casey's praying for me. He's praying, praying for me. Put me on the prayer list, y'all. <laughs> well, Eric, thank you for jumping up and showing well, us the uh, whole uh, now. Wanted to let you know. Want... Yeah, I just <laughs> want to let you guys know great show, great guest. Hey, guys, one of the few times I watch from home since my day off, off, I figured things to do them. Have a great day. Thanks for Bye, coming Eric. up, Eric. Peace out, Girl Scout. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now we have a contest, y'all. And I'm excited because I'm going to drop the link in um, the chat. So hold on. I'm going to do it now because the mods actually don't have this link. Okay, so dropping it. This is what we are going to vote on. Ooh, a vote? We get to vote. Wow. Now, this next part is up to you in the chat. We are doing a most interesting appetizer contest. Oh, my. You may think, hey, you guys, that sounds easy, right? I don't think it sounds easy. You can also think all of you gals are good cooks because you know we are. Well, that is all true, but you in the chat get to decide which is the random dinner meal that we must flip into appetizers. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. So on the screen are the hashtags that you will put into the chat for to vote which dinner entree we must turn into appetizers. All, all of us, all six of us have this week to create and then post on our personal Instagrams. This will be a challenge. <laughs> the winner will be chosen next week on episode three of Round the Hay Bell. 
Alrighty, so it, click on that link, y'all. Click on the link, it will take you where you can vote. I'm actually gonna now show the poll up. <laughs> We're already getting, we're gonna oh, yeah. some Go ahead and vote, go ahead and vote. Right. Yeah. And I have Chinese stir fry ingredients in the fridge right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got pizza in the fridge. Oh, see we're getting more. Oh, it's looking like an overwhelming winner. Come on, get your votes in, get your votes in. I know there's more than nine people in the chat. Somebody Come on, y'all, vote. Get that pizza going. Can we get one for Chinese stir fry so my veggies don't feel left out? <laughs> <laughs> my little, my little Alicia, you need to go vote. Go and vote, Alicia. Get you that one Chinese stir fry vote. Get the your vote. I don't even think I could find those ingredients here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. There's 13 people in the chat. Let's, so, see, who's Let's see if I can vote. I'm going to go vote too, actually. I did. did. I just voted. <clears throat> Did you vote? <laughs> yeah, hang on. <laughs> Steven's going to go vote. Well, I'm going to do a Chinese stir fry video anyways. But I'll oh, still look. Go pizza wins. You got you to gotta go click the link to vote for it. So don't forget. Oh, look, people are just putting it in the chat. You got to go click the link so you can vote. Oh, there's a Chinese stir fry. Yay! Oh. Alicia, <laughs> no, Alicia, that was from me to you, friend, okay? Oh. Because I'd rather do pizza, but I did it for you. Thank I, did, you. I, did, I did the Chinese stir fry, too. Oh, so we got two now. Wouldn't right, it be funny? Wouldn't oh, it be funny if the Chinese stir fry took the lead, and then all of you would be like, oh, my gosh, I don't have anything in the fridge for Chinese stir fry. Because <laughs> it's, up, it's up to two now. I looked for Chinese stir fry ingredients one time and everything was expired on the shelf in the store. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Noodles, <laughs> water chestnuts, you name it. Casey, drop that link again. Drop that link again. I'm going to drop it like it's hot. Let's see. Yeah. Drop it like it's a hot appetizer. Okay. Stir fries up to three. <laughs> it's in second place. Poor spaghettis. I know. It's dragging up the rear there. <laughs> Looks like you know, we got a clear winner. I think it so. would be really fun to make an appetizer. Just get on Pinterest and find many things. And I'm, I'm, I didn't know we were going to be doing this, but I'm pretty stoked. This will be fun. I, the funny thing is, I kept it a secret from everybody until yes, you did. Yeah. Oh, look at that Chinese stir fry. We're up to four. I know. That's funny because okay. I'm doing a video this week with some pizza stuff. Not really like a pizza turning into an appetizer, but I've got something coming out that has some pizza ingredients in it. So that'd nice. be cool. Right. All right, how's it going? I'm going to uh, pause and stop for we've got all in. The winner is. Chinese stir fry. Pizza. <laughs> it's pizza. It's much better than Chinese stir fry. But basically, all right. Hey, Bell Gang, this is what we got all through till next episode. We can create a pizza appetizer, post it on our personal Instagrams. Now, y'all in the chat, y'all listening, if you have not followed us on Instagram, all of our Instagram links are always linked in our QR code and down below. 
And most of you follow us on YouTube, we have links to it. So make sure you're following us. And then next week, we're going to choose a winner out of it. So definitely tune in for that. So let me get this off the screen now. So make sure you follow us on Instagram to see what we come up with all throughout the week. So be checking in with our Instagrams and uh, see what we've got going on. And as always, scan that QR code if you did not already follow us. All right. So before we are sending off 2021 with our wonderful second episode, we want to thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us around the hay bale. Awesome job today, guys. Yeah, yes. awesome job. But first, let's see what is happening next week on Round the Hay Bale. Next time on Round the Hay Bale, Sandy from the YouTube channel Suburban Homesteader, Wyoming, Arizona, joins us as our special guest host. It's a new year and a new hay bale. We'll be chatting with Sandy on all the homesteading things. Also asking the controversial question, when is it too early to start planting? So grab a cup of joe and tune in next week for Round the Hay Bale. Hey, hey y'all. Hey. Hey. I love our hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> Well, Elizabeth, before we, we say goodbye to you, I want to say how that came about. Somebody, one of the subscribers, when we were talking about, well, I first said hay barrel because I'm a new homesteader and didn't know that it was called a bale, a hay bale. And I guess some girl on YouTube was hey girl hey. I, I can't remember what YouTuber did it, and they said, oh, it's so fun. You should, y'all should say hey y'all hey. And I was like, that is so stupid. We are not going to do it. And, now it's in our opening and in all of our <laughs> And we're like, yes, we are going to do it. <laughs> all righty, friends. Thanks again for stopping by the hay bale. Thanks again to Elizabeth Ritchie for joining us. And be sure to vote on your favorite app. We've already done that. you got to watch for your favorite oh, app. Or are we voting on the ones we turn in on Instagram? How's that working? I'm lost. Oh. I guess we'll have to come back next week to, to see and... Lisa, keep it talking because our New Year's Eve video is still loading. The struggle of live television. <laughs> Welcome. The struggle is real. <laughs> struggle bus. Hashtag. Well, you can give me a, a thumbs up when it's ready. Um, but what we're actually going to be doing is, is people are going to be going to our personal Instagram pages and voting on the apps that we create this week. So gotcha. that's the one thing that they will be doing. And... I hope everybody has a happy, happy, safe new year. And we are still loading. Are all the votes going to be tallied up by a certain time, like say Sunday, Sunday night, 9 p.m. or something? You're muted, Casey. I said that's a good, that's a good idea, other Casey. I think <laughs> that's a good idea. We'll say Sunday by 9 p.m. Or do you want to give everybody time to get it together? Yeah. I was going to say, or do you want to go ahead and um, just put the pictures of our appetizers up here on next Monday morning and have people vote in the chat? So you got to come here to vote. I like that idea. Oh, so take a peek at our pictures through Instagram through the week. We don't know what we're going to post because, you know, some people are busy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but they're not busy Thursday, maybe. So, what you know, then you can pull the pictures up. We'll have all the pictures up here and you can vote next Monday here around the hay bale. That was Thank you all so much for tuning in to the second episode, y'all. Happy Thank New you Year. Everybody. We'll see you Thank all you. Thanks, Elizabeth.
Please visit our Around the Hay Bale YouTube channel to see full New Year's Eve video. around the Hay Bale YouTube channel to see full New Year's Eve video. YouTube channel to see full New Year's Eve video.